Welcome to Wine and Film, a perfect pairing. I'm film critic Gary Cogill, and today, a new big-budget sci-fi western. It's based on the novel series by Stephen King. It's called The Dark Tower, starring Idris Elba. I'm laughing already. And Texas actor Matthew McConaughey. All right, all right. Plus, 10 years ago, former Vice President Al Gore won an Academy Award for his Inconvenient Truth documentary. That's all about global warming. He's back this week with an Inconvenient sequel. Truth to power. Now I'm wine expert Haley Hamilton Cogill. And yes, apologize for my voice. I am a little under the weather. I think it's kind of sexy. Well, I might have not smoked a pack of cigarettes or had a gallon of scotch, but my voice sounds like it. Nice. Um, but I am thrilled to pair an inconvenient sequel with one of our favorite wines that just received an additional level of recognition for their efforts to farm clean and green. Stoller Family Winery in Willamette Valley, in Willamette Valley, and our pairing for the Dark Tower Dark is somewhat appropriate, just slightly less dreadful than the actual film. But we'll get into that in a minute. But the wine is from Gallo. It's called Apothic Dark. Apothic Dark, Dark Tower. <laughs> okay, <laughs> let's talk about this film, Gary. We both saw it last night. Wow. Okay, so we saw Dark Tower. It's a it's a American sci-fi western. So it's directed. It's co-written by. Nicolaj Arcel, Mr. Arcel. Say it one more time. Arcel. Uh, <laughs> it's a continuation also of Stephen King's novel series of the same name. Uh, by the way, that's an that's an eight book series. And the, I almost, the Dark Tower. yeah. I wish that we had not that I could have sat through eight books of this film, <laughs> but maybe it would have made more sense. <laughs> So, <laughs> well, it's based on eight books, and it's just over 90 minutes. This film has been pared down so much. Yes. And I, 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 a couple things about it. It cost around $60 million to make. Um, and that's kind of low budget for a film like this. This, yeah. is a, this is a big, giant film that... And I'm going to say this on the surface. I never thought a movie needed to be made with $100 million, but it kind of needs it <laughs> because it's the cheesiest effects. It's some of the cheesiest effects I've seen in a long, long time. Some of the Guardians of the Galaxy effects are intentionally cheesy. Right. This is not. This is intentionally They want it to be epic, so serious. Lord of the Rings, you know, what, uh, Wild, uh, you know, Westworld. I, I don't know. But it's what they did <laughs> is they took this giant eight novel series and made it into one Truly god awful, deadful, dreadful. I, I I I don't have a nice thing to say about this. It had one okay scene that was kind of a cliche. That's the scene where he, he shoots the gun without looking. Yeah. And and shoots down the bad guy. I'm going to also say that I like Idris Elba a lot, and I like Matthew McConaughey Absolutely. a lot. Absolutely. And I, Absolutely. Could, I, I have no idea that both of them were in this film. Yeah, I am not interested in either one of these characters, or the boy that or the, little the boy. whole thing was supposed to be centered around. There's a real, there's a sense of cruelty in this movie, in this movie that really drove me crazy, because I think if it was a smarter, better film, the cruelty can be played played out and not feel like it's just a mean, cruel story. Yeah. But when they don't do it justice and they don't spend the time to develop characters and nobody really cares what's going on, uh, it just acts cruel. It's, you know, I mean, in the opening scene, they're firing off children out of cannons. Well, that, that's just <laughs> it. It's There wasn't any... Against their will. There wasn't any character development. No. And, and so you had to... I mean, I don't know. It was interesting watching this film with an audience of 
people that obviously liked it more than I think we did, like people were getting very into it and gasping and, oh, yeah, yeah oh, yeah, get them. It was also a free screening for them. Uh, of course, yes. but still, just because it's free doesn't mean it's good. No, it doesn't. But it, a lot of times on free screenings, people applaud at the end of just— Just because they got to go see a free movie. I oh. thought this film was so bad it made Baywatch cerebral. And Baywatch is not cerebral. There's nothing <laughs> cerebral about Baywatch, which to me up to this point was the worst film of the year. Now, know. we have not seen the Emoji movie, yes. and we're not going to. We're going to skip that animated bad film. I uh, <laughs> haven't seen it. I shouldn't say anything. But Baywatch to me up to this point was just really, really dumb Dreadful. and stupid. And yeah, you know, I, sh- I should kind of. No, this was this no. was this was not a um, and, and and it makes me sad because Stephen King, it, I mean, the he's such an iconic writer, and yes. and and these novels I know have a great following, and and if and and I think that aren't they making this whole thing into a TV series that uh, the, will be know, the, played the, out over? The plan is to be a film series and a TV series. I don't well, depending I, on how this does because it might make a ton of money. Right, it might not. It has a good chance of just altering. I think it's less than twenty percent on Rotten. Less <laughs> hey, than twenty. Bad movie. Hey, bad Rotten Tomato movies still make a lot of make money. make a lot of money, and they can. And it's the time you're. But I, I'm. But hope- my whole thing is yeah. like I'd almost be curious to see it as a as a full length TV show because then you can actually. Tell me why these children are being fired out of cannons in the very first scene. Because <laughs> they're trying to knock down the dark tower. Well, and I can have some actual development in the storyline instead of just like, it just felt so run and gun. And right. and it felt, I think, that they, they did go back and spend a good chunk of change trying to clean it up. Trying to reshoot the ending, the reshoot parts and of the movie, re-edit the movie because it had such, it, it's had a history of horrible it test just market didn't make screenings. Any sense. And, and I think that what we got was probably the best cleaned up version of a film that made no sense. So I can't imagine what it was right. a year ago. And then it just ended. And then it's just like, okay, we're done. So it's a Western and it's a gunslinger. And a sci-fi. And then it's modern day New and York and a kid's transported through a portal into the West, and but that's m- probably the future West. But there might also be some Mordor, um, like yes. like Lord of the Rings stuff involved. Right. Also felt like a dragon could come out at any point because it did feel a little Game I of Thrones. I was just wishing for a Game of Thrones dragon. <laughs> just to lighten it up and, 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 the, and the, the dragon mother. Yes. I just was wishing we for all that. We needed Khaleesi to just make it all better. You know what's interesting about Stephen King is that there's been a ton of bad Stephen King movies. Movies, yeah. And that has nothing to do with the books. Right. Because he doesn't he's not making the movies. He's not exactly. And I completely agree with you that if this was a six or an eight part film series, I would be into it and mm-hmm. be interested. But probably not with this director and this writer mm-hmm. and who it's the same person, mm-hmm. pretty much. Mm-hmm. And I, I and I think you've got to just I mean, TV's in such good shape right now that you could take this and run with it and probably handle it really well. So I would be interested in that television series. Uh, down the road if it gets made. But uh, right now, uh, it's the Raspberry Award winner for me. So. It's a mess. <laughs> and uh, it it's it's not better than Dreadful. It's worse than Dreadful. Yes. 
It was five not a, minutes into it. We were done. I just couldn't stand. Not it. not our film, but not you know. Film. So we had because we had this in our mind. So actually, just last night, we um, after the film toasted with this particular pairing that I just liked the reference and and it wasn't bad. We it, you actually it was to, better than the movie. And and it, and it's actually interesting. It's not a wine that I. Um, it's a big production wine. It's right. it's a it's the apothic brand of wine. Apothic. Apothic. And, and you know, they don't tell you the vintage. They don't tell you exactly, exactly where it's grown. It's an evil label. They don't tell you a lot about it except that... Um, it's that, red. ...that its goal is to embrace your inner dark side. Starting to sound like our president. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get to that in the next segment. Yes. Um, yeah. And... and their whole mantra is that the apothic wine is inspired. I can't do that because I'm it. totally going to sound. I know you're going to sound um, like it. By Apotheca, which might be a place that is in the Dark Tower. Um, it's a mysterious place where wine was blended and stored in 13th century Europe. The wines of Apothic are truly unique in style and taste. A female winemaker whose goal is to craft bold, captivating Apothic blends. Does she have fangs? I, I don't know. Um, they don't actually tell you what the actual Apothic Dark is. It's, it's the most mysterious and deep of all of them. Uh, I'm going to say just by tasting it, there's probably a lot of Zinfandel in there, yeah. along with a lot of other things, maybe a little RS, because it definitely was very, um, it, it was a just kind of a big, juicy red, not subtle. It was juicy, um, not subtle. But, you know, paired well with, with last night's dinner post-movie, and and think it's it's a good wine for a bad film. <laughs> It's a it's a good sneak in one, and that's you what could I sneak it in the movie theater if you wanted to. But it is a it doesn't have a screw cap, so it makes it harder to sneak it in. You know that <laughs> kind of shocks me. It doesn't have a screw cap. Although we drink some really good screw screw cap. I'm not saying I like a good screw cap wine in this. Uh, yes, so that's so apothic dark. Yes, is, we're gonna we're gonna pair with that, and they then, don't tell you what's in the bottle <laughs> or the vintage or exactly where it's grown. Right, it's California. Uh, they have the ability if they don't have to. It's there are many wines that don't have to actually say you could use when it as, or where. It could what. be. A, there are a lot of those. Yeah, and usually they're um, they're not over twenty a bottle. No, this I think that's like a twelve dollar wine. Yeah, and yeah. you can find it everywhere, and it's very popular. A lot of people like the apothic wines. They're lovely. They're you know it's it's and we like a lot of gala wines. It's so a I'm big not saying seller. anything about that. Exactly, exactly. We 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 support the brand and hope that. That if you're going to see this subpar film, this is your wine. Can we go on to the next film? <laughs> no, I, no, but I, 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 I'm, I'm following your logic, and I actually completely agree with it. Yes, and I, 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 I drank more than one glass, and I didn't hate. You it. did. You drink. You drank yeah. most of the bottle. But I, I was glad to see that. I, I could see on Halloween. This is just going through the roof. Apothic Red. I'm going to take it to the theme party. I'm going to take my. I'm doing my bad impression too. Hey, well, no, it's Apothic Dark. Apothic because Dark. Because Apothic Red is a different wine. That is. That is different. This is. <laughs> it's Apothic Dark. <laughs> the Dark Tower. Thank you for doing that impression. When we come back on Cogill Wine and Film, a perfect pairing. Former Vice President Al Gore. He's back on the big screen in another alarming look at the consequences of global warming. It's called An Inconvenient Sequel 
truth to power, and we will be, yes, we will, right back. I don't know what that is. I don't either. Welcome back to Cogill Wine and Film, A Perfect Pairing. So, 10 years ago, Vice President Al Gore fronted this Oscar-winning documentary, An Inconvenient Truth, warning the planet of what will happen or likely will happen if we don't do our best to clean up the air and water and take better care of our planet. So, how have we been doing? How have we done? Well, Gore is back with some answers in the film called An Inconvenient Sequel, Truth to Power. And here's a couple uh, things about this film. The original was directed by David Guggenheim. Who we love. Who we love a lot. Now, he produced this film along with... Um, T-Bone Burnett. T-Bone Burnett, the yeah. music guy from Texas. Yeah. Uh, the original cost $1.5 million, million and a half. Yeah. It made 50. It was a huge hit, won the Oscar. Everybody got excited. Listen, I thought the, I thought the original was a terrific film. Mm-hmm. Uh, the sequel cost around a million. It's just opening, so we don't know where it's going to go. But it's directed by Bonnie Cohen and John Shank. And, you know, it's about his continuing mission and his slideshow that he goes around the world. It's also about the Parrot Climate Conference, the most recent one, and the the one that happened before where all these countries in the world got together and signed up. And, of course, we know now that not all of them are signed up. And I I think it's a really good film. I I think it's not as good as the original. Mm -hmm. And that's okay because things have changed a lot and they allude to it a lot. Mm -hmm. They don't beat you over the head with... They don't beat you over the head with Trump. They don't beat you over the head with Not conservatives. At all. I think they should have done a little more. They could have done a lot more. Yeah, I, I look at that more as as editing timing and and shooting timing. I mean, it they didn't really yeah. the the only real. I mean, I think the film was probably done at the end of last year, and so they they just spent the last six months in editing and and just put a few brief slides at the end of of this film to kind of say where we are as of today upon release. What I liked about the film a lot was the opening title sequence Mm -hmm. because it's all voiceovers of detractors, Mm -hmm. of people that don't agree with climate change. And it, and it's showing this stuff, and then it's all these voices, most lot, many of them politicians, some of them talk show hosts, just kind of going off like, this is ridiculous, and blah, blah, blah. And I, I thought that was interesting, and it's important for them to use that, mm-hmm. because I think you need to hear all of that. And not that—I think there's a fallacy that documentaries are two sides. They're, they really aren't. There's f- always a mission. There's we, always a purpose in We a think the documentary should present both no, sides of the story, and they're I not. Don't, no. They're a filmmaker's point of view of whatever mm-hmm. they want. And they can do whatever they want to do. Absolutely. And we know what Al Gore thinks after the last documentary and, and his mission, actually. Well, his, what he's spent his last 40 years of his life on. Yeah. Yes. I find it interesting that somebody came out with an anti-Gore article in the last few days saying that his home, where he lives, and part of the film takes place in his home in I think Kentucky. In Tennessee. In Tennessee. It uses 26 times more power than the average home in America. Well, it's bigger. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's a ranch. It's a working it's a ranch, ranch. Yeah. yes. Yeah, but that's the that's the big slam. And they released that article right at that time. Yeah, of course they did. Of course they did. But uh, here's what I learned from this film that I really liked. I learned a lot more about India that I didn't know before because my focus most of the time has just been, I don't know how people even breathe in parts of China. And China's, uh, according to this, and according to a lot of the stuff I've read, has stepped up to the plate a lot more than most countries. Mm-hmm. But they have a long way to go because mm-hmm. it's just awful. 
Uh, but India, with with the heavy population there and what's been going on since the 2016 okay. Paris mm-hmm. Agreement, has mm-hmm. been really interesting. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And I think that there's been a lot of great work done. I think that, uh, yes, I want you to kind of con- finish your thoughts on the film before I kind of yeah. say my little piece. Well, the other thing is I've always been troubled by, well, we've had this conversation. You go to Greece and you come back and say, every home has a solar panel. Every home has a solar panel in Why Greece can't we have as, solar panels as the here? country is declaring bankruptcy. It doesn't make any sense to me how, how right. the most advanced nation in the world has such a problem with with solar energy. Right. And the reason, well, we live in the state of Texas, and the big reason, politically Lobbyists will and not economically, allow it to is we're an oil and gas state. Yes. And we're a fracking state and a shale state. And so they're going to fight just like— Anything that Just could like actually, an airline company is going to fight super trains. Sure. Yes. So, so you, and, and the lobbyists— wins and the power wins and it's just and they they adopted the same the same mantra that big tobacco did and and they're basically going after all the same people and shaming them and shaming them which i i it's i just i don't understand how we can live in a world that sees the effects of global warming and still say it doesn't exist right, right. it makes i am i am i it, i I'm not the smartest person in the world. I'm not the smartest person in the room. I'm not the smartest room person in this room, but I'm just it just floors me how how we can choose to bury our heads in the sand instead of just say, well, maybe it is true. Let's let's try to to make the world a better place for the next generation. I don't have children. You know, it's it's it, I'm not my kids aren't going to going to be hurt from this. But my gosh, all these people that deny have all these kids and then grandkids. What are they thinking? It makes no sense to me. Well, I don't understand. And my voice just got really high because I am a little. Well, they did. An inch, <laughs> they did. They they failed to do one thing in this film. I mean, they looked at conservatism basically, and and kind of the you know the way the Republican Party is going now, and so much climate uh, climate denial within that party. But they're also they left out the whole religious right. Who's also seems, for the most part, and I'm generalizing, completely in denial, and yet to take to be good stewards of the land and yes. good stewards I mean, that's of the earth is kind of it's very biblical, and to, and to just kind of deny that for your own ideologies, I, I wish the film. I'd love to see a documentary on that. There's a there's a woman I follow on on, um, on Twitter. There's a person I follow. And I find her interesting because she's kind of a darling of the evangelical movement, mm-hmm. but she's uh, also uh, a climatist, and she's fascinating That's and smart name. and really trying within her own group, within the church, the Christian church, trying to figure out why nobody's on it? board. Um, it's I want to say Kehoe is her last name, but I'll—, I'll, I'll, I'll I'll bring that up next time, but I follow her and I read her pretty regularly. Okay. And she's really interesting to me, and she does a lot of presentations. But, you know, she's fighting an uphill battle mm-hmm. within ultra-conservatism, especially within the church, especially on climate denial because they're focused on other things. Right. And a lot of people just think God's going to take care of it, and I don't believe that. I don't believe that at all. Well, I think that— You can't throw that junk out you, well, and, you can't, and not have it come back. And you can't expect— you can't expect all your crap to be fixed by God. I mean, God I gave totally us this agree. earth to to take care of and Well, to let's protect. take our house as an example, yeah. where we live. If we just let it go and say God's going to take the trash out, it's it doesn't insane. get taken out. It's exactly. insane. It's insanity. 
and and to think that well you know there was lots of bad weather way back then yeah of course there was but the, but the charts are really interesting and the deniers in this are really re- I'm fascinated by that I but my whole thing is like deny or don't deny if there are enough people around you that say okay we think this is a problem even if you don't then why don't you just give those people just give it to them just say okay i may not believe it but the fact that you're so passionate about it makes me say okay we'll give you this we'll we'll let you do whatever you want to do that's my whole thing it's it's why why fight it why why get out of the paris agreement every 150 other nations agreed to it what what makes you Mr. President, sorry, I don't mm. like to get political, but what makes you think that you have a right to pull out of this agreement that everybody else, every, 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 every nation, including India, that was the whole thing. It's like the, the, the biggest, the biggest anti supporter, because I completely agree that these people are just trying to get energy to their, to their, their billions yeah. of people, not, uh, clean or not, they're just trying to get something. Well, and for and I, them to sign on, how how dare we? How how dare we say no? We don't agree with that because Obama signed it in, and my whole goal is just to ruin everything that Obama did. You're doing that impression again because I it love makes it so me much. so. It just makes me so angry yeah. because there are a lot of things that have happened that I don't agree with in the last six months. But now you're like messing with the whole world. You know, you're not just messing with our country. You're messing with the whole world. And to me, that's just ignorant. Well, part of the movie, uh, an inconvenient sequel, Truth to Power, and they didn't speak enough truth to power in this movie. They spoke it to the they spoke it to the choir, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's kind of the knock on the film for me. And I still think it's a very good film and we're seeing. But th- that a lot of these underdeveloped countries, because they're so poor, are the biggest polluters. And they need help. And mm-hmm. they, they, they don't need you to just give them cash and walk away. And I think that's part of us pulling out of that. Because it's that whole mentality that why, why should we help anybody? Well, there's a reason because the planet's at stake. And yes. that's, we're one country in the planet. And we're the largest, we're the largest uh, polluter on the planet and then the largest user of energy on the planet. And we should be more responsible. So I, it just seems logical to me. Uh, I want a solar panels. On my roof, I do too. and I don't like I don't. Oh, this is my soapbox. I don't like the idea of somebody saying, "Well, I'm going to tax you so much over that and make it unaffordable for you, so you can do this energy." Uh, at some point, this is all going to be solved with giant batteries mm-hmm. or with smaller batteries. Mm-hmm. Somebody's mm-hmm. that's the next big thing. If you can solve the battery issue on mm-hmm. this planet, it's it 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 can be amazing. and it can be solved. It because, be like solved. you said yeah. at the beginning of the segment. I was in Greece as they were getting ready to declare bankruptcy, and yet every home in Santorini has a solar panel on its roof. Explain how this this bankrupt country can have can have that much solar energy. Here's another here's another thought that I really liked from this film. This is the good part as. As climates get warmer in certain parts of the country that were always cold, as they get warmer, bugs invade. And when bugs invade, mosquitoes, mm-hmm. um, it's not just a southern thing anymore. But when they invade colder climates, it, they bring disease and they bring Absolutely. Zika. They bring all kinds of things. And it, be, it becomes a major issue, let alone droughts, 
and let alone well, I famines and droughts and things that are caused by extreme warm temperatures and, and extreme cold temperatures. And glaciers melting and yeah. seas rising. And, you know, they the one thing I wish that they had talked a little bit more about, because I think this would have actually hit on some of the non-believers is okay let's there was a, a point in the film that they are in Miami and they're showing how how Miami streets are flooding because of of the rise in the seas right. and yet and they have all these pumps and they're trying to to fight it but it's not being fought and so eventually that will continue throughout the entire country. And if you were in a coastline city, you know, show me that in Malibu with all these billion dollar homes, really multi-million dollar homes in Malibu with your, you know, so you used to have beachfront property and now you're in the middle of the ocean. Like that's, that's the effect that we need to see. We need to see, see, you know, the, the million dollar homes in, in, Martha's Vineyard and and Montauk and uh, like uh, okay, let's talk wine because I'm just going to get on a soapbox. No, I, I, no, it's, it's, it's we need to uh, we need to show the, there was a nice part in this of every every city in in the country that is actually doing a lot for for trying to become a completely green city. And one of them was Georgetown, was Texas. Was in Texas. And it's Georgetown, Texas and he's a there's a very conservative mayor that that doesn't agree with with his party. Democratic politics. He is very much a Republican. Right. And yet he has made his city Georgetown, Texas predominantly energy efficient yeah. with wind and solar wind coming from Amarillo 100% solar coming from uh solar panels built in West Texas and and his whole reasoning was the fact that my goal uh, my job is to give my constituents the people in my town the most affordable energy possible. Just that should be enough. Just that should be enough. Just that should be enough. If money to say, speaks, yes. that should be enough. And Lord knows, in Texas, we we yeah. we know that money speaks. So why in the world would you deny something that's more affordable? No, I agree. I agree. Okay. So who in wine is doing it well? So the the nice thing, and and we've talked a lot um, over the course of of the show of the year we've been doing this podcast of clean green wines. I, there are so many that I love. Leon Baral and and Languedoc is one that just always comes to mind. They're you know Kate up on Howe Mountain. There was the first um, lead certified. Gold winery mm-hmm. in Napa Valley. There's so many great wineries that are doing it right. But just this week, one of our favorites received an additional kind of level of certification that I'm so excited about and so proud of them. And that's Stoller Family Winery. We've talked a lot about Stoller. We've talked a lot about my my girl crush on their amazing winemaker, Melissa Burr. We like her. I love her and think she is so talented. But really, when when Bill Stoller started Stoller Family Estate. He started it on his family's turkey ranch. It was a it was a turkey farm in the Dundee Hills of Willamette Valley. And over the years I've always been so impressed with just his dedication to 
to the land. And it's almost kind of what we were just saying. It's almost because this is the land his family grew up on. And as a good steward of the land, you want to take care of it. Yeah, and you want to leave it well. You want to leave it better than you found it. Better than you found it, to the point that he's he's always been sustainable. He's always farmed sustainably. Even when they built their fantastic new tasting room, he used reclaimed wood from a forest fire that had occurred in the region. And he went out and he and he wow. he gathered all of this wood that had been burnt and used that wood to build their their solar powered tasting room. Hmm. So this um just this week received an additional certification. It's called a B Corp certification. Their efforts to create wine in a green way as green a way as possible. Companies that have achieved this certification status meet the higher standard of verified social and environmental performance public transparency, and legal accountability. Wow. And the nice thing is they kind of um, gauge this based on a handful of different practices, including, you know, what do you do for consumers? What do you do for community-based efforts? What do you do for the people that work for you? And what do you do for the actual environment? And and then you're kind of ranked in any company that reaches, I want to say, 80-plus um, is eligible to receive this. And, and the highest ranking of all of these different categories, um, that, that qualified them to receive this was for the environmental efforts, mm. which I just, uh, you yeah. know, I just love. And then in addition, in, in addition to all of that, they make really good wine. They make really, that's one of the most beautiful tasting rooms. It's, it's a beautiful place, it's but it's just stunning. But also just the fact, like, they make, they make stellar, Tewa-driven Dundee Hills Pinot Noir. Their Chardonnay is is some of the best Chardonnay I've ever had in the world. Yeah. The the Chardonnay fruit that they grow and sell to other winemakers is also some of the best Chardonnay that I've ever had in the world. And and they just you know, it's kind of the beauty, I think, of Willamette and, and just the the maybe it's the beauty of Oregonians as I look at my handsome Oregonian husband. There's they're not all about pomp and circumstance. They are so all about we're doing it, we're doing it the best that we can. We we wanna be good stewards, we wanna make good wine, we wanna welcome people in, we wanna They wanna help their neighbors. They they're they're gracious and and giving and I've always, yeah. you know, since since the first time I was I've had their wine and was introduced to their wine to today, everything that they have, I'm always so excited about. And, you know, what yeah. the the specific wine I would pair, which is what we just had, is their beautiful rose. We've talked about the rose before. Mm-hmm. I think it's watermelon and juicy tangerine and bright strawberry and a great summertime wine and and I think a really appropriate wine for for this little film. Didn't we taste a rosé out of a barrel there? We did. We tasted out of the tank. Out of the tank. And it was before it, it was bottled. It was before it was bottled. It had gone through fermentation. I've never had young young rosé. It was kind of just in yeah. its like holding process. We had it um around January several years ago. Yeah, so it, it had juice. already yeah. gone through everything. It was just kind of in the holding state state before it was bottled. And it was it was just like this beautiful layer of w- juicy watermelon and bright bright 
you know, strawberry flavors. Oh, it was just, I, it's, it's one of my favorite rosés in the world. Love it. So we're in total agreement that an inconvenient sequel, Truth of Power, is a really good film. Yes. It's a good film. And we're in complete— An important film. An important film. And we're in complete agreement. And I'm still pissed off <laughs> that I can't get solar panels because— We want them. There's a, there's a whole group of people trying to keep me from getting them, and it just makes no sense. And we're in complete agreement that The Dark Tower is right now the number one worst film of 2017. It is for me so far. It's right up there with that other film that you liked and I didn't. Oh, Ghost Story? Yes. Oh, it's good. It's a good film, Haley. <laughs> it's better than, it is better, I think, than Dark Tower, but <laughs> not by much. <laughs> yeah, that's a good film, actually. I can't wait until we get to, like, October. <laughs> someday, someday I'm going to pin your eyelids open and make you watch a ghost story over and over. Or I can't wait until next week because I think we've got a good film next oh, week. Oh, next week on Cogill One and Film A Perfect Parent, the Oscar-nominated writer of Sicario and Hell or High Water, both nominated two times for an Oscar. Taylor Sheridan from Texas is back directing for the first time uh, part three of his crime trilogy starring Jeremy Renner, Elizabeth Olsen. The film is called, I can't wait, Wind River. I can't wait either. I Me think too. this is finally okay. We're we're finally going to get something really good. Yeah. And if nothing else, we have these are two actors we both love. Yeah, we love and them. have been waiting for this yeah. film for a long well, time. I love this writer director. But for more on <laughs> on b- some of the films that we've talked about this week, yeah, yeah, if you want to see it, you go. We're we're, we're gonna yes, we're it's a gonna, free country. Well, <laughs> Check out our blog on CogillConsulting.com or through our Facebook page. Be sure to follow Gary on Twitter at Gary Cogill and see what we're drinking now by following me on Instagram and Twitter at Dallas and Court. And with that, I'm Gary Cogill, and as usual, I'm looking for the next great film. I'm Haley Hamilton Cogill, always in search of a great glass of wine. Join us next time on Cogill Wine and Film, A Perfect Pairing.